I'm Pete McCall, and welcome to this episode of the All About Fitness Podcast. Before I get into the formal introduction for this episode's guest, I'm going to tell you a little story. Uh, a few years ago, I think it was uh, 2014 or 2015, I was uh, going to teach a workshop and had stepped into a, a gym uh, on a, early on a Saturday morning, maybe like 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning, to catch a workout before I was going to be teaching all day. You know, even though I teach fitness stuff, I do like to do occasionally do uh, the, the occasional workout or, or exercise myself. Anyway, I was in the gym, uh, like I said, early on a Saturday morning, doing my usual workout routine. I think I was doing a barbell program at the time. And I really, I was struck by something by a group of guys having a bench press contest. Now, that's not that abnormal, right? I mean, you can see, you know, young men, you know, usually in their late teens, early 20s doing, uh, you know, doing the bench press, you know, a group of them would be gathered around a bench in the gym, kind of pushing and egging each other on to, to do a one rep max. But this group of guys was probably somewhere in their 50s or 60s. I mean, like I said, it was early on a Saturday morning, and, and you know teenagers don't make it to the gym at that time. Uh, and a lot of guys definitely had uh, some gray in their hair, and there's maybe a little uh, extra energy um, around the midsection. But I was struck by it, and there's actually a buddy of mine there who was working out too. And we both kind of you know looked at it. He was a trainer, I should say that. And uh, we both kind of watched that, and we're kind of giggling because here's this group of guys, you know, maybe five or six guys. I don't remember the exact number. And they're, you know, egging each other on. Yeah, come on, do it, do it. And you're doing that one rep max or trying that one rep max. And I'm sitting there, you know, I'm doing like, I think my workout that morning, it's like deadlifts, Romanian deadlifts, bent over rows, push presses. Yeah, it's a kind of a typical barbell, barbell complex that I'll do, you know, when I do barbell training. And I was pretty much working up a really good sweat. And my buddy and I, you know, when we spoke about it just for a minute or so, we kind of commented that, man, those guys were really not getting an efficient use of their time in the gym. You know, yeah, they're having fun. And it, that was what I really remarked about is they're having a great time. But to sit there and to spend the time in a gym just doing a single movement or a single exercise for one muscle group really isn't the most efficient use of time. It really isn't. You know, it's, you know... <laughs> It, you, you, when you get to the gym, if you do, if you do, you know, one muscle group at a time, like a lot of people do, it really that's one thing. If you can train like a bodybuilder, eat like a bodybuilder, you know, and, and train like a bodybuilder means two workouts a day, usually a cardio workout and a body part workout. Eating like a bodybuilder means eating really clean, I and mean, you have to have that lifestyle. If you do that and can commit to that, then body part training makes a lot of sense. But for the average person, the body body part training, just doing muscle by muscle really just is not an efficient use of time. It really isn't. If you only have you know, 45 minutes to an hour to get a good workout in, it's much better to really to try to do movement-based patterns and try to get multiple muscles working at the same time so you can burn more energy and just be more efficient. And that's what my guests and I today really talk about. You know, we talk about kind of the evolution of fitness um, from an interesting perspective. Brandon Wagner is a colleague of mine. He's you know a couple of years. You know, we're about the same age. We're in our mid forties, and I've gotten to know Brandon uh, the last couple of years. And he was actually on. Uh, he was on a previous episode of All About Fitness on a roundtable I did at the end of August uh, 2018. I'll see if I can link below. That was a fun, fun conversation. I was with some other some other folks there, and Brandon was a part of that. But Brandon is a personal trainer based out of Tucson, Arizona. And he, you know, worked with he worked at Canyon Ranch for a number of years and became, you know, achieved some notoriety by helping Gerard Butler prepare for the movie The Three Hundred. If you've seen that movie, then you can see the type of shape that Gerard Butler got in. I mean, he really got extremely lean for that. And I wanted to, I reached out to Brandon because I wanted to talk to him about efficient training strategies, especially for guys our age, you know, for for people in their forties. 
And Brandon, I should also mention, is a master trainer for TRX, uh, the suspension training company. And he, you know, like like some of the other guests I have on the podcast, he's a master trainer, and that means he educates other fitness professionals, and he travels around the world to do workshops for those fitness professionals. On this episode of All About Fitness, what Brandon and I do is we talk about, again, this evolution, this mindset of how we need to adjust our exercise habits when we get into our 40s, 50s, and beyond. You know, yes, you can go and do single individual muscle groups, but really none of us has the time. You know, we really don't. And, and frankly, if you work one body part at a time, that's like tightening one spoke on your bicycle wheel at a time. If you t- only tighten one spoke on the bicycle wheel, you're going to throw the wheel out of balance. And that's what, you know, that's where a lot of people can get injuries in the gym is if they only focus on specific muscles or muscle groups, they can create imbalances between certain muscles, muscles on the front of the body, muscles on the front of the body, sorry, muscles on the back of the body. And that's what Brandon and I talk about today. We talk about the general aspect of fitness. We talk about how fitness should evolve as we get older. And really, Brandon has some really interesting insights that I think will get you thinking differently about how you should approach your time in the gym. So here we go. This is a fun and lively conversation with what's becoming a, a good buddy of mine, Brandon Wagner. Today we're speaking with Brandon Wagner out of Tucson, Arizona. What's going on today, Wags? How you doing, man? I'm doing well. How about you, Pete? I am doing super well. So I want to say thank you for uh, taking the time out to speak with us. And what I want to talk to you about today is specifically strength and conditioning for the over 40 athlete and, and kind of like how would you define that over 40 athlete? So that's something you have a little bit of experience with, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I would say, you know, probably the majority of my 22 years in the fitness industry has been uh, in the over 40 population. And how would you define, like, what would you use to define athleticism? Because I would bet a lot of people listening to this are like, wait a minute, I'm not really an athlete. Why does this really matter to me? But what would you, how would you describe athleticism and why is that important? Um, you know, I, I think the, well, I've always described um, all of my clients as athletes. And I know that I think there's a misnomer that you tagline somebody as an athlete. That means they perform some sort of, you know, competitive sport or some sort of competitive activity. And what I like to define it is that there are, there are levels of athleticism in the sense that I like to categorize all of my, all of all my clients, people in general, as three different categories. Right? You have your domestic athletes. Those are people who, you know, uh, let's think of your day-to-day nine-to-five people who, uh, you know, have a normal job. They have kids. You know, they have to take care of grocery shopping and clothes and do. I mean, the things that everybody does every day. Those movements mimic mimic and map up to athletic movements that you might see on a field. I don't mean at the same level, right? So those are my domestic athletes. And then I have what I like to call uh, my occupational athletes. And those are those who, um, let's say, UPS drivers, mailmen, uh, firefighters, first responders, anybody whose job is becomes physically more demanding. And then, of course, you have your professional and, and you have your professional and amateur athletes. So, you know, I, I like to I like to picture it as if I were putting a jar away in a cupboard above me, and I have to reach up, get on my toes, reach across my body. How does that not? I mean, that how does that movement look similar to, to say a a wide receiver jumping up and trying to one hand grab a hmm. a football? 
So, so, wait, not, so just a second, yeah. let me cut in there. So you're going to start training Odell Beckham on how to do uh, put jars away in the in the upper cabinet. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he, I think he, I think he could probably teach me that. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but the, you know, the point being is athleticism. I think is inherent in everything we do in every in every in, you know in everyday life. It doesn't matter to what level you can perform that. What matters is you have to have the ability to do that. You have to have the ability to stand on one leg and stabilize and balance. You have to have the ability to react and move under certain conditions. You know, you have to be strong enough and conditioned enough to be able to do the things that every every single life day demands. And that's and see, I, I really appreciate you going into detail on that, Brandon, because I think a lot of listeners and what I want to talk to you about is why we should be. And this has been a regular theme of the podcast, right? Is why should we be training movement patterns and why should we be looking at training like athleticism, especially as we get older, as opposed to what we've been doing for years? Because what was the way, and I, I, I don't know if I've asked you this before, but where did you first learn about exercise and fitness? Like what was your first kind of resource of what got, when you said, hey, I'm going to start working out, where was your go-to? Well, my first resource, my first um, you know, influence was my mother. You know, when I was eight years old, my mom uh, started as a jazzercise studio. Oh, and, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, she was a jazzercise instructor, and that uh, culminated into her becoming one of the first instructors to start working for uh, Canyon Ranch, and of which she, she was there for over 30 years as a group and personal trainer. And today she still has her own Pilates studio right down the street from my house. So my, you know, I mean, for me... Working out, staying fit, staying conditioned started when I was about eight years old. Wow! See, I didn't even—I didn't know if I knew that, man. And I—I I was expecting you to say that you're like like most guys our age that you picked up a picked up a copy of Arnold Schwarzenegger's book and you <laughs> wanted to get the the big muscles. So yeah, no. you taught jazz exercise. What what got you kind of interested? What did you see, or what what did you notice early on? I mean, as as eight, nine, ten years old, what what kind of left <clears> an impression on you? I guess is what I should be asking. Is what kind of impression did that leave on you? Well, I just you know what I saw was this this connection between you know yourself and your body and how to take care of it and how to make it stronger and more capable. You know, it was something my mom practiced on me. You know, while she was going through her certifications and going through a lot of her, like, you know, if you want to call them case study scenarios, basically I was her, her model. Like, let's try this move, try this move. So she would teach things to me and she would spend that, you know, when I go to bed at night, we would talk and she would talk about the human body and stuff. And it became, so for me, the connection of, you know, being connected to your body and, you know, making it do the things that you want it to do and perform, um, just became kind of organically inherent in the things that I did. So, uh, you know, I mean, it wasn't always about the big muscles. I mean, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I, you know, I got into weightlifting at 16 when I started lifting heavy, squatting, deadlifts, cleans, push jerks, and I and I love that. Um, but you know, the understanding of how the human body moved was a was a resonated with me bigger. Uh, that's interesting. Now, do you go to school? Do you study kinesiology in school? I don't. I don't have your resume, or I don't have your LinkedIn profile in front of me. But based on having a mother that that was in the industry, did that influence you when you went to college? Well, yeah. So, I mean, you know, interestingly enough, my initial when I when I got out of high school, the first thing that I began to study was 
Um, actually, I went to school to become a firefighter. I was a firefighter for a couple of years. You know, I, I went through my EMT sort of, you know, licensing and all that. Um, but when I went to the, when I went to the University of Arizona, I, I studied, uh, sports sciences. Um, I did an internship with a local, uh, baseball team here as an athletic trainer. And, I mean, oddly enough, I mean, I kind of moved away from that after I graduated, uh, you know, kind of bounced around at a few of the things. And then, you know, just about, I would say, gosh, 22, 23 years ago is when I started back with Canaan Ranch. I decided to go back. And then that's when I began to kind of really explode into my, into the, to the world of fitness. I mean, it's always been a part of my life. It always been something that I know I did daily. It just, you know, it took me a while to kind of fall into that. Because I did it for myself, I didn't do it for others, but I always had an itching. Like I, you know, you go to the gym and you watch people and you knew they were doing things wrong and you knew they could help them and be better, but it wasn't my place to do that. But it was something that I, I knew that I was good at and I wanted to do. Wow, that's interesting. And, and, you know, you've been in a very unique environment with Canyon Ranch. I'm going to come back to that. And, but what is, what's really struck you about the way the fitness industry has changed over the last two decades? Because just for listeners, and you know, one of the reasons that Wags and I become buddies is we've worked on one or two projects together, but we're almost about the same age, and we've been doing this. You know, you've probably been doing it a little bit longer than me. And what's really struck you, what are we doing now that's so different that, that, that would surprise you know, the, the Brandon Wagner of 1998 or 1999 when we were first getting into the business? Right. Well, you know, that's a good, you know, that's a good question. Cause I, you know, I go, I mean, I instantly go back to when, you know, when I would uh, get up in the morning, you know, I was, you know, going to, going to school and I'd get my buddy, we'd go to, we'd go to world gym, right. When world gym still existed. And I just remember being around all these huge bodybuilders and power lifters. And that was an influence on me, right? Like, I was around guys who were bench pressing 500 pounds or more, you know, and it wasn't that I wanted to achieve that particular goal, but you know, I think what the biggest influence for me at that time, and I, I would say I, I kind of wore blinders was I was very more, I was more body image aware. I think I was a bit more tunnel visioned into isolated movements. And as great as that was for me in my twenties, you know, because, you know, you go to the club and people are like, man, dude, your shoulders, your arms, like, you know, that was, that was positive reinforcement that what I was doing was great. <clears throat> and as I, as I aged and, you know, things began to slow down and I got away from that, I, I always come back to the weightlifting, but I, I didn't recover from injuries as better, right? Things began, and I began to kind of think to myself, what am I doing to my body? And I remember, I would say about seven years ago, I, I got back on a, on a uh, metabolic strength training circuit that a buddy of mine put me on. And I mean, I saw my power, my strength shoot through the roof. And I was like, man, I'm feel, man, this is amazing. I feel like I'm back in my twenties again. And I remember waking up one day with some pain in my low back, which exacerbated into like, extreme pain come to find out i had an l4 l5 bulge that pretty much shut down the use of my left leg for about a month Oof. a month and a half two months you know i mean through traction deep tissue massage and just doing the right things i was able to rehab it but that really changed i mean not that in not that in you know as the milestone 
but I, I got more into the body awareness. Like I, I need to have durability. I want to be able to play with my kids and weightlifting the way that I used to do it wasn't necessarily, um, beneficial. What I needed to rethink my process on what I was doing. And that's when I got into more of the functional aspect of strength training, you know, working movement patterns, working, working things that incorporated entire body movements rather than these isolated type of styles that I was, you know, that I grew up with. And see, that's exactly, I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit, you know, before I hit the record thing. And for listeners, that's exactly why I wanted to speak with you is because I think, you know, so many of us grew up like, you know, we got interested in fitness. We, we picked up a bodybuilding magazine. We picked up a, a Schwarzenegger book. And, you know, okay, we got chest day on Monday. Maybe we're doing back and buys on Tuesday. And we really kind of, we, you know, for I think there are a lot of guys out there our age and a lot of listeners out there our age that still have that mindset. <laughs> why, why is it important to evolve? And, and what is different about, like, training movement patterns as opposed to muscle groups? Well, you know, I, I think sustainability is one of the top things is, well, now, I mean, I'm 46 now. I, you know, I, I still compete. You know, I play basketball once a week. Uh, for about an hour, hour and a half at a, at a pretty competitive level. Um, you know, I do these ruck hikes with weighted, you know, weighted vests around, you know, I, I push myself. But what I think I've realized is more importantly is that now through everything that I've learned and everything I've changed over the years with my, with my fitness programs and routines is that I hope to live to be a long time. I have longevity in my life, you know, like my, my great grandmother lived to be 107. My grandmother, <laughs> my grandmother still, still alive at 96. Okay. And you some good genes, bud. Yeah. So the way I think of it is, you know, I have a three, I have a three year old and I have a 20 year old and I want to watch them, you know, get older, but I want to be capable of, helping them do the things they want to do where, you know, in sports and activities. And I want to be an inspirational piece to them on that. So when I think in terms of what am I doing with my fitness routines, I think the number one thing that I put, you know, in anything is I want to be able to wake up tomorrow, move well, move freely, pain-free. And when my kid says, let's go play soccer, I'm not, you know, I'm not telling him no, because I can't. I'm telling him, yes, let's go do this because I've trained my body to have the, to, the durability and the sustainability to be able to do that. I take care of myself rather than beat myself down. Isn't that, I mean, explain, I mean, you work at Canyon Ranch, but where, where do you live? Where do you live, Wags? I live, I live in Tucson, Arizona. And so when you go out hiking, I mean, you're not just going for through a stroll through the woods. And I didn't know you do the rucking. What, what, what's, what's a typical hike like? And how much, how much weight do you carry when you do that? Well, one of the more recent ones that we just did, uh, my wife, myself, and some buddies in the rucking, we did what they call a tough. Um, it ended up being uh, 23 miles, uh, 13 hours, and I, I carried roughly about 90 pounds of gear about 90% of the time. That's, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty high level stuff. And then, you know, and, and, how do you guys do? Is that a competition or you guys just kind of pick a no. horse and go do it? Or No, it's this military run company called Go Ruck. And okay. basically you just put on a, you put on a pack and you listen to the instructor, which is, you know, a special forces 
um, ex-special forces or current special forces, you know, a member, and you do what they tell you to do. You, basically, you have guidelines, and those guidelines are just guidelines. And But what I found in that, and this was, for me, it was kind of an epiphany, and the reason why I got into it is a buddy, a friend of mine said, let's try it. I had no idea what we were getting into. But the fact that I was able to do that, that, that I was able to push my body for, you know, 23 miles with 90 pounds of gear in my back, uh, walking around the town, walking around the city for, you know, 13 hours. And the next day I woke up and did yard work astonished me, <laughs> you know, and the reason why it astonished me was because it, it was a moment in time that I realized everything that I have done in fitness, the preparation, the strength training, the, you know, the building, building the strength in your core, being able to be, being able to translate everything that I've done in the gym made me capable of getting through that. And I realized I, I can do a lot more than I give myself credit to, credit to, you know, and I tell people this a lot is, you know, you need to get out and as much as, as much as the gym is important, if you are a gym rat, you're not really, you're not really ready for life. You need to get out there and test yourself and see what you can do. And you work on those weaknesses that you, that, that life presents to you. And then you use the gym to help to improve those. And then you go back out and you test yourself again. You know, so my perspective on strength training, you know, from when I was in my twenties and teens has definitely shifted since I've gotten older. And I think that's, you know, I kind of laughed, at, you know, when, when you're talking about that, because I'm just, I have this picture of, of clients I know and clients I've worked with over the years that if they try to do that, um, if they try to put on a pack even at 20 pounds or 30 pounds and, and white, you know, hop, hike six or seven miles, they'd be wrecked and on the couch for like a week later. And I think that's a pretty remarkable thing. You know, now to shift gears just a little bit, you're also an educator. That's one of the ways that we know each other. What groups do you do fitness education for? Uh, are you saying what companies I represent? Yeah, yeah. What companies yeah, do you rep? Uh, well, I've done, I, you know, I currently work for Trigger Point. I work for TRX. Um, I represented Active Motion for, for, for a while. I've done some work with Insanity, Under Armour, PTA Global. Um, yeah, that's just to name the ones that I can come off the hand and think of. You know, I've contributed on some level of education and programming, um, you know, to those companies over the last, you know, 12 years. And so for fitness consumer, I mean, one of the other reasons I want to talk to you is to talk a little bit about the whole master training world, because I think, you know, I think a lot of consumers, and that's who I really try to gear this podcast for, don't realize that there's a whole, I don't know if it's a subculture, but there's a whole, you know, cadre of guys, men and women out there who go around and, and teach these workshops. So how, how'd you get into doing that? How'd you get into teaching workshops, Wags? Well, you know, when I started working at, when I was working at Canyon Ranch, uh, um, you know, if, if you're familiar with it, it's one of those things where you, you train so many people at a week at a time. And I had a great opportunity to work with, um, Shannon Fable. She was one of our, uh, not on site, but she would come out and do all our certifications for BOSU and Schwinn. And I became pretty good friends with her and, I had a lot of clout there at the time when I was working at Canyon Ranch. I got to work with celebrities. I got to train Gerard Butler for the movie 300. And I got to work with people like, you know, uh, Will Smith and, uh, you know, to name a few. And, 
So when the opportunity came for TRX to grow their cadre of instructors, I was basically invited via Shannon. And I had an opportunity to go out. I went through the training. And I will tell you, I mean, my experience now, I mean, I tell my wife this, you know, I remember calling her and saying, I thought I was a good instructor. I thought I was a good coach. And now I've met all these new people and I realize how much, I, I don't know if I want to use the word better than they are, but just how, how much different than they are than what I, what I grew up with. Like I, you know, these are people who've written books and published papers and, you know, who have done some incredible, you know, things in the industry that I felt like, man, I've barely scratched what this industry is. And I made it my mission to, to be the best TRS instructor in the cadre. I pushed very hard and that just kind of blossomed into all of these other, these other, you know, uh, roads into different companies. So yeah, that's and how I got into it. Well, and what kind of opportunities, because I think one of the cool things is like, and you and I have crossed paths a number of different locations. And one of the cool things I think is that we get paid Brandon to, to, to travel the world where are some cool places that you've been to teach workshops? Um, I have been, well, I've been pretty much, I think I've counting wise, I have about uh, four more states to cover. So I've been through almost all the, all the 50 states. I mean, Alaska, Hawaii, which have been really good ones. You know, I've been in, I've been in Guam, Australia, uh, China, uh, South Korea. You know, I've been, um, God, where else have I been now that I think? Yeah, so, I mean, those are the ones I can come offhand and think of. So I've, I've traveled pretty much all over. I do a lot with the military, which has been a really inspirational thing for me. Is, you know, when I got out there, especially uh, into, into Asia, most of the stuff that I do there is I'm working with, I'm working with military personnel. So that, And that's really cool. And, I, see, I think the reason why I ask that is I think people are surprised to hear that there, there are people like you and I that do that, that travel and, and do the education and teach trainer, trainers how to do that. Now, let's stay with TRX for a second. And again, not to, I don't want to be an infomercial for, for the product, but I'm a huge fan of it. How has using, how has using a TRX really you know, changed your approach to fitness? I mean, we've talked a little bit about movement training. You're, you're, you've spoken a little bit about your approach to strength training, meaning just task-oriented, being able to get out there and live life. How has using a TRX really opened up your mindset and your approach towards exercise programming? You know, I think for me, it was one of the, one of the biggest influencers in, you know, getting out of the, you know, get going out of the gym mentality of, you know, today's, today's barbell lifting, dumbbell lifting days. And again, I mean, I'm not discrediting any of that. I mean, I still absolutely 100% believe in, in incorporating that into your fitness routines. But what it did was it shifted my mindset to this more core perspective of training that, you know, that the body is a, is a, is a single unit and it works, you know, it works as well as the weakest muscle in the body. And what TRX did for me was when I first got on it, I mean, I wasn't nearly as proficient as I am today on it because if it's, if it did one thing, it, it highlighted all the weaknesses. And, you know, I, as I tell a lot of my, a lot of my groups is, if you think, you know, being in shape, and I know being in shape, you know, when someone says, Ben, you're fit, and I always ask the, ask the question, fit for what? Throw me in the pool and I'm going to sink. So I'm not fit for the <laughs> pool, you know, but it depends on what I'm training for. But what I'll tell you is if you are, 
if you're just the day-to-day gym, gym rat and you put yourself on a suspension trainer, you're going to be astonished at what you can't do because what the gym doesn't teach you is the how to completely use your body the way it was intended to be used. And I think the suspension trainer is that is that that one product that has changed the industry to be able to show people what true functional training and what true functional strength means. And that, you know, for me, that really shifted my, my thought process is that, man, if I want to be strong in all areas of my life, this is a tool that's going to help me to enhance that. I mean, it's not going to help me to deadlift more weight, but it's going to help to me to be more efficient at it to incorporate areas of my body that maybe weren't working as well as they were before. And I've gotten back into strength training in ways that I didn't think I could after my back injury. And I credit that, that I spent a lot of time using the suspension trainer to, to train my body to be able to handle those demands. Well, and that's, and that's exactly the reason why I asked what Brandon was because, you know, when I started, yeah, the, it's just funny. I hadn't thought about that in years. When I first saw the TRX, I thought it was just kind of hokey, like, yeah, whatever, some kind of, like, gimmicky thing. Then I got on it and was like, oh, wow, this is really – this is hard. And now it, it's become somewhat – it's a staple of my program. It really is – I don't do every workout with it, but I do incorporate, you know, certain exercises and certain conditioning with it because it really can help with that injury-free status. It really can help reduce the risk of injury. I mean – do you help? Do you credit that with like kind of your your ability to be able to go out and go rucking and and be able to do yard work the next day? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. If 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 anybody were to ask me that question, like, how is it you're capable of doing this? I mean, I'm going to always fall back on, you know, I push myself. I I I, I do the proper recovery things. I, I I know I eat relatively healthy. I make sure that I'm doing. All, I check those boxes. But if there's one tool that I would say that's, that's made me or that's given me the ability to do those things, it's been the suspension trainer because I've strengthened my core and my body in a way that, you know, that I don't think traditional strength training can give you. Now, that doesn't mean that I let go of my strength training, you know, with, with weighted weights because there's obviously, we know, we know the benefits of, of those, you know, the axillary skeleton being, being, being pushed with, with weight. However, I think that, you know, having the functional strength has increased the capacity to be able to, you know, to be able to now, you know, like I said, handle the demands of whatever activity I want to do, whether it be in the gym with weights or it means putting on a, on a backpack and going out on the road and, or, the, you know, on a trail. Well, let me ask you this, because this is actually, you know, again, what, what I want to speak to you about. Is say you're working with a guy like like me, you know, mid mid late forties. I'm I'm a year older than you, forty seven. Um, and while I don't work in a traditional office per se, you know, what what type of program would you design for a guy who's in my age, our age, relatively decent shape, who just wants to be kind of bulletproof, injury resistant, not necessarily, you know, not lifting three hundred pounds, not benching three hundred pounds, not having the beach muscle, <laughs> but just don't want, you know, like like you said, I want to be able to play with my kids and not be injured. I want to be able to have some fun. What type of exercise program would you design? Well, you know, I mean, I would always start with some, you know, some preparatory movements, you know, utilizing dynamic warm-ups, uh, you know, some trigger points, you know, self, you know, some self-myofascial release stuff just to get the body ready and warmed, right? I mean, I think that's one thing that the industry has done a really good job over the past several, you know, past several years is really 
start to focus on the recovery and restorative aspects of, of fitness. And I think, you know, back when we were in our 20s, that was something that wasn't really talked about. It was almost as if it was taboo, you know, like, what is that person doing? Stretching? You know what I mean? It's, yeah. And now, yeah, yeah. now, and now it's become, you know, a, a major component. So, I mean, I always start off with that, but, you know, the bulk of the routine for me is always incorporating some sort of suspension training exercise along with some sort of multi-jointed dynamic movement, whether it be with a dumbbell, whether it be with a bar. Like I, I, I like to move a lot of body parts at one time. I don't do biceps curls. I don't do tricep extensions. I don't have people do calf work. You know what I mean? Like there's for, for, for people over the age of 40, you know, I mean, I hate to, I hate to, you know, break the news to the, to people, but having the body of a 20 year old when you're in your forties plus isn't realistic anymore. You know what I mean? Like you gotta have to be, you have to, you're going to have to be happy with the changes that your body goes through. You know, wait, wait, I'm going to wait, hold on real quick. Let me pause there. I love the, I, I love the way you said it. You have to be happy with the changes your body goes through. What's that mean? And I know you're starting to go, but, but you know, what do you well, mean by changes? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, I can, I can fall back into when I was in my twenties and, and, you know, and even my early thirties and the compliments that I was given on, on how I looked, you know, the shape of my body. And, you know, that, that means something. I mean, it doesn't mean a lot in, in the big picture, but you know, it, it's validation for the work and the effort you've put in. You know, and what I'm finding now, you know, that now that I'm in my mid forties is, you know, losing weight isn't as easy as it once was. And, you know, maintaining the same shape that I had when I was in my twenties, when I look at the pictures and I'm like, man, look at this shredded body. And I don't, what, what happened to that? You know, I mean, obviously there are changes your body goes through, through each stage. And, and I know that I've, I still, I, I wouldn't use the word struggle, but I think I still at times you know, I look at myself and, and almost think, man, why can't I be that anymore? And then I got to come back to the reality and go, oh, I'm 46. You know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still muscular and I'm still, you know, I still look pretty good for, you know, even a, even a 30 year old, but it's not like I was when I was in my early twenties. And I'm just trying to be, and I'm trying to accept the fact that, you know what, as long as I'm feeling good, moving good, performing well, and I can still do the things that I want to do, then I should be happy with that. That should be good enough because the realistic, the realist, you know, in me knows that I'm not going to look, you know, like Brad Pitt does, you know, for some reason, always. Well, let, let's talk about that. That's, that's, that's what I want to kind of wrap up with. I mean, you mentioned you worked at Canyon Ranch, which is, which is an elite spa. I've never been to the one in Tucson, but I did go to the Canyon Ranch in, in Vegas a couple of times for spa okay. days with my ex. And just, you know, I, you know newsflash to the listeners, I, I like treating myself to a spa day every now and then. And, <laughs> and I think everybody should. But everybody what, should. Everybody should. It, it, but when you work with when you work with somebody like you, you, you helped Gerard Butler famously. And as I know, I think you're featured in Men's Health for it. Uh, you worked with Gerard Butler to help him prepare for the movie The 300. What What is so different? Because I think there's this whole mystique, right, about calling somebody a celebrity trainer. Because when you look at a celeb, when you look at an actor, their job is to play a role and have a specific body type for a for a role that they're being hired to play. 
Correct. Right? And, and so when you, when you're presented with that opportunity to work with uh, work with him on this project. What was your approach to it? Like what? Because it's going to be different. Like you're not going to be training somebody to be functionally fit, like we're just talking about. But you're going to be looking at them to get ready for a specific role. How does that change your mindset as a fitness professional? Well, I mean, obviously each each person presents a different demand, and in that particular case, you know, you know, they have four to six months to prepare to look like, you know, in his particular case, you know, a Spartan, and you know, you basically attack that program from, you know, this, this vol, this high volume based, you know, you know, muscle perspective training. Like we have to hit it and we have to hit it hard. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not concerned about what's going to happen on the set when the camera goes rolling. All you have, all your, your job is to say, if six pack is what we have to work on and muscle, you know, biceps and triceps and quads, then we're going to we're going to attack that from that perspective. I don't care whether or not you hold you know the sword well and you move well. I'm going to leave that to the experts to do that. My job is to make sure that you look good holding it, and that's it. And now, and how many other people? Because that that brings up a good role because you have the stunt coordinators and everything. Now to achieve a body like that, I am sure Gerard didn't go to McDonald's or didn't hit Taco Bell, and he probably had a whole nutrition or dietitian that he was working with. How much, you know, to achieve that type of body that he had in the 300, how much of a role does nutrition play in that in, in, oh. in addition to what you're doing in the conditioning room? You know, I mean, let's just say if he didn't change everything about who he, you know, what his current lifestyle was, what I did wasn't going to do anything. You know what I mean? It just flat out wasn't going to do anything. Uh, you know, I mean, he came there with the intent of, you know, really changing his life for this movie, like stop smoking, sm- stop drinking. And, you know, he started learning a little bit more about, you know, the health and fitness aspects from the nutritional side as well. And of course, you know, when you're an actor on a movie like movie set of that nature, you know, they were commissioned, you know, nutritionists to get them prepared. But I mean, without that nutrition, I mean, I, I really don't think what we have done would have elicited the responses that you had got that you saw on the screen. And see, that's exactly why I asked you that question, Brandon, because I think so many people get caught up in this whole, you know, celebrity trainer mystique, but the reality of it is that the trainer is only one, one component of that. And while that's an important component, the nutrition, the lifestyle, everything else, I would argue is as important, if not more so, to achieve those types of looks. Without so a somebody, doubt. If somebody wants to train like a celebrity – they should also have what a personal assistant. What else would they need if they, well, I mean, if they truly well, want to train like that? If, if they, yeah, I mean, they should have. Obviously, they shouldn't have a nine to five job. You know, I mean, obviously, that is the celebrity's job: is wake up in the morning and for the next four to five hours, you know, your job is to train and get prepared. I mean, that's not realistic for the average person. I mean, you know, I mean, the average person gets up in the morning, they get their kids ready, you know, frantically for school. And, you know, they're, they're lucky enough if they get any food down in their, in, down in their mouth, you know, they're, you know, the most they're probably doing is push, pushing in a few cups of coffee. They go to work and, you know, they're, again, they're lucky if they have even a, a decent lunch, you know, they're, they're reacting to the lifestyle around them. And I don't necessarily, you know, I, the demands and that stress lead to poor habits because it leads to, this, you know, this need for just fulfilling, you know, sustaining 
you know, your, you know, your, your energy just quick enough to get back to work, right? So what am I going to grab fast? So I, you know, I think it's, it, you, you can't compare anybody in the real world to a celebrity because it's, there's like, it's like apples and oranges. It's not even the same. And the average person doesn't have access to that stuff. I mean, yeah, I can, I can download my fitness pal. I can, you know, I can do all these things, but the realistic, you know, the, the realism behind it is life still has its past. That means when I get home from work, I got to cook dinner. I got to do baths. I got to make sure my kids are doing homework. I got to put them to bed. When's, when's the time for you to sit there and say, you know, hey, I'm going to sit down and have a salad and do this and do that and make sure when my kids are screaming for chicken nuggets and doing this, like it's, it's, it's a real hard mental game to really change a lifestyle. And that is, and that's such an important thing right there. That word is lifestyle is because it isn't just, you know, a couple hours in a gym. It's not just a few weeks at a time. You really have to have that mind style, that mind, that lifestyle mindset. Now to, to kind of start wrapping it up here, to take that to take that step, what would you recommend for somebody again like me for a week of, of exercise? Because obviously you're not, I'm not going to hit the gym or hit the weight room hard every day. But if I'm if we're looking at it like a seven day week, how would you suggest somebody in our age <coughs> range, you know, break up their week in terms of training? Like how many days a week would you suggest strength training versus doing like metabolic or energy system, what what traditional people call or what normal people call cardio and mobility work? Like how would you break that week down? Well, the, you know, the way that I usually recommend for, for new customers, you know, for new clients, new potential clients coming in is that's, that's the question they're going to ask all the time. Well, how many, how many times a week, you know, should I be doing this? And I, I, my, my follow up is, well, how many times a week can you dedicate? You know, I said, if, if you really want to make changes in your, you know, in your lifestyle and in your physical abilities, you're going to have to, you're going to have to at the minimum do it twice a week. And even at that, you're barely breaking the surface on change, you know? And I compare this to like, if you wanted to learn a language, if you study the language once a day, you know, or once a week, would you ever learn that language? No, it's a process. You have to spend time doing it. So I, I usually try to push people into a minimum three days a week, you know, of some sort of strength training. And that goes more towards a guided training, you know, rather than just leaving it on their own. And I encourage them to do, you know, cardiovascular activity. And I create a program like a, a simple 30 minute treadmill or whatever, whatever, you know, poison they choose to pick, you know, whatever their, whatever their favorite cardio equipment is. And I design a program around that that they can do on their own. And we just hold them accountable to that, right? Um, you know, for people who don't really adhere to that, then what I end up doing is the two to three days a week, and I do a set of exercises followed with about a about a five minute cardio, you know, cardio you know session on the treadmill. So I'm trying to combine the two. It's almost like doing circuit training. Um, I'm trying to fill as many gaps as I can. But again, I mean to to, to respond to that question, I would say you're, you you have to at least do two. But even at that, I don't think it's enough. Three, you know, one-hour sessions a week if you can get it in. And see, that, that, that's a great – I like that response. How much time can you dedicate to that? And I really – in all the years we've been, I've been doing this, I've never – you know, I've used learning the language analogy to teach new trainers. When new trainers are trying to learn exercise science, it's like, look, first you've got to learn the alphabet before you can be conversant. But I never really thought about that in approach to, you know, the average consumer in terms of, like, 
how good are you going to get at Mandarin if you only practice once a week? I really, yeah. I, I like that, man. That's a, that's a great breakdown of it. Yeah, I mean, you can't you you know you can't learn anything doing it one day a week. Like uh, the body's the same way. It's you know you and, and and it's the same thing going back. I'm like, how many how many hours do you spend sitting at a desk? Uh, I don't know, at least forty. Okay, how many hours do you spend in the gym working on your body? You know, and when I say on your body, I mean you know all of the all of those facets that come into play. You know, restorative you know, flexibility, mobility, anything that encompasses fitness. And, you know, the response is, I don't know, an hour, two hours. Okay, so how does that stack up against? If you had 40 people fighting two people, how would that work out for the two people? You know, you're, 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 you're continually losing this battle. You have to move more. You have to move more often. You have to get up. You have to be active. Because in, in, at the end of the day, the three hours a week that I spend with you isn't enough. You have to do more. And I'm not saying you have to go out for a jog around the city, but don't sit on the TV, you know, all the time. Get up, move around, walk, take a walk. I, I don't know what it, I don't care what it is you do, just move because that's going to promote a, you know, a more, I think, uh, a habit of saying, you know what, hey, I like how I feel when I move. I want to do it more often. And I love that, you know, that's a great way to wrap this up because I think as we get into our late 40s, I really train, I don't know about you, dude, and, and this, is why I try, this is why I'm doing the podcast, is I want people to shift that mindset so they exercise for the way they feel. And when you coach your clients on that, isn't it cool to see their mindset shift? And, and how, does, how does your clients respond when you say, hey, look, we're not going to worry about appearance. I want you to really just focus on basically how you're feeling. You know, I, I, I think that they, you know, they, they take that uh, rather well. And I think there are, I mean, obviously there are those people who still want to look good. And I say, look, you know, if you put the time and the effort in and I give you what you need, you're going to have, you know, you're going to start, you know, morphing into what, you know, closer to what you want to look like. But what I'm more concerned about is how you feel and how you move because the better you feel, the more you're going to want to move. And that's going to great, make greater change. You know, like you have to do it before you have the results. You just got to start doing it. So I, I think for the most part, most of my clients buy into the fact that they understand now because, you know, it comes from education. You can't just plug in numbers and count reps. You have to teach them why. Why are we doing this? What's this for? And if you can start plugging in, hey, where are you going this summer? Well, we're going to go to Italy. How much are you going to go walking? A lot. You know, we've got all these things we want to do. Well, then let's think about that. Why don't, why don't we train to make you, you know, to have a, have a more fun vacation? Let's not worry about what you look like because when you get there, you're going to have spaghetti and wine and everything you just <laughs> did, everything you just did with your nutrition is going to go downhill anyway, but who cares? Let's just make you have it. Let's make sure you're having a good time on your trip. And see, isn't that what it's all about? Make sure that you can go out and have have fun, and that's and that's why I wanted to you know have this conversation with you, dude. I, I love your mindset. I love your approach, and, and you know it's funny because a lot of times I have people on the podcast here. You know, they're promoting a book. They're you know they're promoting whatever, but you know you're just some you're a guy. You know I don't want to say you're you're just a guy, but you're a guy out there. You're a fitness professional out there who's making a difference, Brandon. Whether you're you're working with your clients or whether you're teaching the workshops that you teach for the various companies you rep, you really are making a difference, and. And one of the things I love is I love like following your Instagram feed because you always put up cool content and you put up some interesting challenges. 
So for, for listeners that, that are kind of digging what you're saying and kind of liking your approach, or, you know, let's just be, you know, let's just be, you know, totally uh, materialistic. If they, if they are interested in looking like Gerard Butler in the 300 at some point, <laughs> <laughs> whatever's going to get people interested, right? Whatever's going to get them going. Right, what's right. The, what's the best way to stay in touch with you? What, what are your social media tags and, and how can people kind of just like see what you're doing? And, and other, guys, other people like us, people in their 40s, I, I wanted to have you on because you're a guy in your 40s who's staying fit, doing it the right way. Well, you know, I, I live I live a life like anybody else does. You know what I mean? I mean, just like you, we've got kids, we've got jobs, we have families, we have things we want to do. You know, I mean, as much as this is our profession, it's still something we, you know, as much as we teach it, we realize the importance of having to do this because we still have the real life to live. And, you know, I mean, that's what I will always preach, that's what I continue to preach. And, uh, yeah, if you want to... If you want to see, look up and see the kind of things I do or contact me at any point, I mean, I'm Brandon Wagner on on uh, Facebook, simple to find. You'll see me with a TRX shirt, so that would be easy to find me. On Instagram and Twitter, it's just BWAGS73, which happens to be the year I was born, so uh, that's going back a ways. And, and, dude, you're looking great for somebody born. Uh, that, and, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I was born uh, during – I was born during the Nixon impeachment, and, and we're yeah, recording yeah. this in January of 2020. I was born during the Nixon impeachment. I met my uh, my my ex-wife during the uh, Clinton impeachment, <laughs> and so it's just kind of interesting to see how that all how that all comes together. <laughs> That's you hilarious, know, right? You know, just kind of looking at you know those, those <laughs> like those timelines, those those gaps, right? Because in our lifetime, this is now the third. Yeah, whatever. I don't want to get into politics, but you you kind of mark things, right? That you know, this, this, these are important moments in history because these milestones, this really yeah. In history, you know, fifteen, twenty years from now, we'll be able to talk about this and and how it impacts <laughs> society as a whole. Anyway, man. Hey, Wags, I appreciate your time, bro. Man, this is yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Pete. All right, I didn't mean to turn that into a little infomercial for uh, Brandon's uh, Brandon's uh, Airbnb, but uh, that actually would be a cool little weekend away. If you want to get out, um, especially if you're stuck somewhere cold and you want to go somewhere warm, Tucson, Arizona definitely qualifies, and you could uh, go work out with Brandon, uh, find out what uh, he did to put Gerard, get Gerard Butler ready for the 300, and go enjoy some of the uh, you know southwestern uh, southwestern culture down there in Tucson. Now, before I go into the further wrap-up, if you want to learn more about exercise, if you want to learn more about fitness, and especially the types of exercises that you know, can enhance your quality of life and slow down the aging process, please pick up a copy of Smarter Workouts, The Science of Exercise Made Simple. That's my book, and, and that's how you can support the podcast. And if you do me a favor, I know there are plenty of places to, to buy it online, um, but if you buy it from my publisher, it uh, means I, I get, it get, it's a little bit more beneficial to the author. You know, If you buy it from major booksellers, Online, the authors really don't uh, don't make much money from that. So that's how you can support the podcast. Additionally, I do have I'm in the final stages of developing some uh, workouts that you you'll be able to purchase soon. Uh, workouts that like Brandon and I talk about are movement based workouts, working all the movement patterns, and it can really help you just feel better. I mean that's that's the whole point of exercise, right? I mean we can be a little sore from working out, we can be a little you know fatigued, but exercise shouldn't hurt. And if you stay focused on only one body part at a time. You know, you, there is a chance that you could create imbalances that could create pain and discomfort down the line. And the workouts I'll be producing and, and, and making available um, will definitely help you avoid that. And that's the other way that you can uh, support the podcast because I'm not going to be charging them for the content. I have people tell me, oh, you should do special member-only content and charge member. I'm not going to do that stuff, folks. 
I want to make this stuff available for you to help you out with that. Hopefully that conversation got you thinking a little bit differently about how you should train. One of the things I love about living in the San Diego area, and I live in, the, I live in Carlsbad specifically, is that I can go out. I can go mountain biking. I can go hiking. I can go for a walk on the beach. I can do outdoor workouts. I can go you know, run touch and play touch rugby with the, the team I coach. And, and that's just so much fun because you know the body is made to move. That's one of the things I love about the TRX. And, and just so you know, I don't get any... I don't get any, any, any kickback, you know, for promoting TRX. I just, I really, you know, I like the story. I like the product. I like the company. I like the people involved. Um, a lot of the master trainers uh, that, that go around and teach TRX to places like, as we talked about around the world are, have become friends of mine. You know, we were on the same circuit, the same speaking circuit. And so we were stuck somewhere like Jakarta or you're stuck somewhere in Shanghai and, and, you know, you become friends with these people. And what I wanted to do, though, what I wanted to highlight was I wanted to highlight a smarter way to exercise, right? I mean, that's why I wrote the book Smarter Workouts, plug, plug, um, but a smarter way to exercise. And that doesn't mean that you have to sit there and kill yourself in the gym. It just means moving. It means being mindful about what you're doing. It's planning, you know, planning your workouts. It's thinking, you know, hey, I did a hard workout yesterday. I know I should do something today, but I don't need to beat myself up again. Especially, you know, once you get over the age of 35 or 40, you know, it takes a little bit longer to recover from the stresses of exercise. That's the conversation I want to have today. That's the conversation I want to bring you. And just like, you know, when I have other fitness professionals on here, especially those of us who are over the age of 40, I want you to hear how we approach exercise because we get paid to do this for a living. This is what we do. This is our job. You know, we study this. If I need help with my, with my finances, I go to an accountant. If I need to invest for my future, I go to a certified financial planner. You know, that's, you know, we all have specialties. And so what I want to do is I want to bring you insight into how those of us who get paid to teach fitness for a living, how we train, what we do, especially as we get a little bit older, you know, because, it's, you know, you can look on the stuff online, you see people beating themselves up and you don't need to do that. And especially if you're over the age of 45 or 50, you can still train hard, but you have to be careful. If you buy, you know, if you look at getting exercise information from people 15, 20 years younger than you, they just don't know how your body moves. You know, yes, some in their 20s might look phenomenal, might look great, and they can be motivating to watch, but they just don't have the same experience as somebody who's been doing this in the field, in the industry, like Brandon and I, over the past 20, 20-something years. And I didn't realize that we are pretty much, we've been in the business almost the exact same amount of time. And I love the story. I love the story that he learned this uh, from, from his mother. He's second generation. And I'm starting to see that. I'm starting to, I get people in my workshops sometimes uh, workshops I teach that are second or third generation fitness professionals. Their parents or grandparents uh, now are instructors. And wow, that's a that's a that's a mind bender there. Hopefully you enjoyed this. Uh, hopefully if you want to follow Brandon, uh, follow him on social media. I'll have a link down below in the show notes. If you want workout ideas, there's an All About Fitness podcast YouTube channel. Again, that's uh, All About Fitness podcast YouTube channel. I'm putting new workouts up there, some exercise programs, workouts. I'm putting like one or two up a week just to get again give you ideas for what you should be doing or the types of stuff you could be doing in the gym. Also, I put a lot of workouts up on my Instagram feed, Pete, uh, that's Pete McCall underscore fitness. Pete McCall underscore fitness is my Instagram feed. Both uh, the YouTube and Instagram feed are really um, give you a lot of great ideas for different types of workouts. And you don't need to spend a ton of time in the gym. That's one of the things I've really been focused on the last year or two is I try to get in and out in you know easily less than an hour and 
most of the time I try to get the workout done in about 40 to 45 minutes. That usually includes about a 10 to 15 minute comprehensive warm up to get all the joints moving. Because <laughs> especially at 47 years old, I need a little extra time to get the stuff going. And uh, if you want to see that type of stuff and see that, get some ideas for, for the type of workouts you can do, definitely go to the All About Fitness Podcast YouTube channel and check out Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram. Hey, as always, and I sincerely mean this, folks, as always, thanks for stopping by, and I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.